Every leader has a strategy. Executing on that strategy is the challenge. If you want to learn how to effectively achieve what you've set out to accomplish, then this show is for you. Gain keen insights and listen in as leaders share their stories and challenges. Soar Vision Group and the Baldridge Foundation welcome you to Leader Dialogue Radio. This is Duffy Dixon with Business Radio X. Thanks so much for joining us. Joining me is Jennifer Strahan, the Chief Operating Officer of Soar Vision Group. She's also President of Business Optimization Services. Excuse me. She has partnered hands-on with more than 100 health systems across the country. She helps them transform their strategic, administrative, and clinical operations. Jennifer is also a small business owner herself. And who is not with us this week is the CEO of Soar Vision Group, and that is Ben Sawyer. And Jennifer, we need to give him a little grief. He's in, let me get this right, Hawaii. Yeah, he's off gallivanting. Yeah, so he can't join us here, but he can go to Hawaii. Right, and just as a reminder, I was gone for legitimate reasons. I had to have surgery on my foot. That's right. He, on the other hand, is just off having fun. Just had to go to Hawaii. All right, well, I hope he's bringing us something back. That's all I'm going to say about that. (laughs) (laughs) Joining us this week is Sandy McKenzie. She is the Executive Vice President and Chief Operating Officer at Hamilton Health in Dalton, Georgia. And uh, a little bit about her, she joined Hamilton in 2006 as the Executive Director and then she was promoted to vice president of operations in 2007 and she served as the chief operating officer since 2012. Sandy has been in healthcare leadership for a number of years over 25 years with 18 years at the senior leadership level. Sandy holds a green belt certification in Lean Sigma 6. We've talked a lot about that. And uh, also, you're originally from Ringgold. Yes. With you, and you live, live. You grew up there, which is a lovely little town. I love that place. Yes, I did grow up in Ringgold. It's a wonderful place to grow up. So, tell me, Sandy, a little bit about Hamilton Health. Okay, Hamilton Healthcare System is a system that's located in Dalton, Georgia, which is uh, about an hour north of Atlanta. Uh, we're right off of 75. A lot of um, it's a, as I said, fr- from a community perspective. Most people know of Dalton from that's where you get carpet or that's right. where you get flooring. <laughs> so uh, that's really what has placed us on the map there. But the healthcare system has really grown over the years. Initially, it was just the hospital. And now we have grown. We have not only the hospital, but we have physician practices where we actually own and employ physicians. And we have those practices under our umbrella. We have four long-term care facilities, oh, wow. so skilled nursing facilities, which total right at 400 beds. Uh, we have senior living spaces. We have an independent living and assisted living. And then we also have uh, low-income and housing for disabled seniors as well. We have our own ambulance service. We provide that service for the entire community and county, as well as a, a very large uh, foundation from a philanthropic perspective that really supports our mission in the community. Um, So we're a 280-bed facility, offer pretty much all aspects of care. The only uh, level service that we do not provide is open heart at this time. Uh, We are in uh, the process, though, of trying to accomplish and achieve that service in our community for our organization. Uh, We also are a level two trauma center. We're a stroke center. We're a certified chest pain center. So we, you know, we're a very progressive center for the size of system that we are. And, um, you know, our community is uh, truly very supportive. You know, it's not just Hamilton, it's, it's our hospital. So it's fair to say that you guys really serve as the backbone for a lot of the community 
in, in those mm-hmm. services. And I think mm-hmm. to the point, you guys have made sure that a lot of the services you offer are things that are of value to your customers and patients, mm-hmm. which we've mm-hmm. talked a lot about on the show. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well. And I know that Hamilton has done a lot of work, and Jennifer, you've worked with them for mm-hmm. a number of years, but has done a lot of work on culture yes. over the past couple yes. of years. And and that should be a word for our listeners that's a buzzword now. Uh, if you are following along, we invite you, grab your computer or your laptop, and go to www.leaderdialogue.com. On there, you're going to see what we call our hierarchy, our organizational hierarchy of needs. And this is basically the pillar of all this, right, Jennifer? Right. So just to kind of set the stage for listeners, and then I'd love to have Sandy share some of the work they've done, because I've I've been fortunate to know Sandy for about seven or eight years now, mm-hmm. um, and just to see kind of where they are, and they've always been a really great facility and organization, but to see how they've continued to mature along that journey has been really exciting. But for listeners, if you're thinking about that organizational hierarchy of needs, you've got the different layers where we talk about strategy deployment or strategy execution, which falls into financial performance and customer value, as well as organizational effectiveness and colleague engagement. But what we haven't spent a lot of time on, we've talked about it, and it's kind of come up through conversation, but there's kind of an underpinning that that goes across all layers, which is around leadership and culture. And that culture requires a constant curiosity for improvement and continuous improvement as you progress through your organization. Because if you think about things such as um, value-based purchasing, which is a common uh, payment model that we're actually moving towards in healthcare, where basically we're talking about you're not paid just on the number of services, but on the experience your customers and patients have as well, that essentially it looks at two different things, how well you're doing and how quickly you're progressing. So you can be doing really well in an area, but if you're not progressing in that area, then you can become stagnant, which other hospitals that may not, or organizations that may not be doing as well as you can pass you because they're learning faster, they're adjusting faster. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that Sandy and their team have really worked hard to make sure that they're never stagnant. They're always growing, always working, and they make sure that the culture is really alive and well that supports that type of of environment. So Sandy, when it comes to that culture, who sets the culture and how do you maintain it? The culture starts at the top and it is set by our CEO. Um, You know, our CEO does a phenomenal job at setting the vision for our organization and the direction that we need to go. And um, we always joke and say, well, if Jeff says, Jeff Myers is our CEO, if he comes in and says, okay, I've been on a trip, I met someone or I talked to somebody, I'll say, okay, either he sat by him on a plane, what restaurant were you in that you (laughs) saw them at, what bar were you in that you sat with him and talked to him? So that's how he makes connections, but that is just his his style. And um, he talked with a gentleman, was sitting next to him on a plane, and had this gentleman come in and just do a in-depth review of the organization from a cultural perspective. And we found out some things that weren't very good about our culture. We found things that many of our staff thought that um, we had a bullying culture. Really? That we had a lot of folks who were here in fear. Mm. And so we decided we needed to change that. And so we went through uh, and took first started with our leaders. And we developed uh, with, well, actually, first we started with staff. We took a group of about 70 staff members and just opened conversations and discussions with an external person and found out why are we here, what is our purpose, Mm. and then what are those priorities that we have. And that's where we came up with the heart of Hamilton. And that is really the basis for our our culture. So we determined that our, our purpose, the reason we are here, is to serve with compassion. 
regardless of who we serve, or whether it's a patient, a family member, a vendor, each other, a physician, no matter whoever walks through our door, we're going to serve them with compassion. Secondly, we determined what our priorities were and how we would look at anything that came our way. First and foremost is always safety. We want to make sure that we have a safe environment for care to be given, for care to be rendered, and for care to be received. So that is number one. Number two is courtesy. We okay. want to make sure we do it in an appropriate manner that is courteous, respectful of those individuals that we are serving at that time. Third is what we call show, or in our opinion, the environment. Is it a healing environment? If things look in disrepair, they're dirty, the staff that are coming in to see you are unkempt, they're not, don't have that professional look, then you're going to assume the care's bad. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's the only mm -hmm. way most people, they don't know that your CT scanner is the greatest, latest version and right. does all these great things. They don't know what that means. That's no different to them, but they know were you kind to them. Mm -hmm. They know was their room clean. They know that everything in the room worked when they were in there. So that is what we call show. So that's third. And fourth is efficiency. And that's also where the Lean Six Sigma journey that Jennifer has helped us with ties in to our purpose and why we are there. So, um, so it's kind of funny just to, to reiterate what you're talking about with show. I think that's something that we miss a lot, uh, especially in healthcare, but even in a lot of industries, we kind of take it for granted. If you think about if a service technician or someone mm -hmm. comes to your house and they look like their shirt's not been washed mm -hmm. in days or Longer. It's huge. It's a huge thing. Right? Mm -hmm. So my father-in-law, they um, he retired just a couple years ago, lives on a lake out in Louisiana. Beautiful, remote, middle of nowhere. Wonderful place. Middle of nowhere. <laughs> right. <laughs> Terrible internet. <laughs> just to reiterate, middle of nowhere. So, but what they, it's funny because he's got a neighbor um, right next to him. And these are, you know, it's lake property, a lot of retired, so nice area. And it's actually a physician who owns this property. And it's literally not cared for they've got a house that's like falling in they don't live there full-time but I was told by a husband and my father-in-law just this summer when we were visiting I would never go to that physician because if you don't take care of your property what's to think you're going to take care of you mm -hmm. know someone else Absolutely. so Absolutely. it is very real in terms of what people see is how they relate it true mm -hmm. or not it's just what I was going to say true or not whether mm -hmm. you like it or not those right. are some things I mean yeah. how many times have you walked into and this goes across any company there is mm -hmm. if you walk in and they're in disarray that means their lives are in disarray. Mm -hmm. You're right. If they're not clean, if they're coming to service something in your house mm -hmm. and they're not clean, uh, what what makes you think they're going to clean out the air ducts and everything else well? Mm -hmm. I mean, those things matter. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 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 How yeah. hard is it to get a team on board with that, though? That's a fine yes. line, too. <laughs> it, it, right. it is, and that's where we felt like once we got this feedback from our, from our staff of what we needed, then we sat down and had some really straight talks with the leaders in our organization and we introduced this we shared the results and shared with them what we heard about having bullies in our organization of being in a culture of fear and of not doing the right things that we need to be doing for our patients and so we then created um, an educational which we then put all 200 anyone who was in a leadership role it's 256 people that went through a six course training called leading with heart hmm. and so we set went through and established here's the expectations that we have of our leaders here is how we want to align and engage with our staff 
so that they can see us modeling it before we ever even put the heart of Hamilton out to our staff. Because if they don't see the leaders engaged in modeling it, then there's your staff will not follow. And so once we got all of our leaders, and across it was for each leader, they went through 20 hours of classroom. Wow, and that's a training. huge investment. And that's a, that is. That yeah. is. It, it really was. It was a huge investment, but it had pay, has paid tremendous dividends. And then we went back through and we retrained every associate in our organization through the heart of Hamilton and reoriented them and then that way we could start fresh with any new associates and new hires they would be hearing the same thing because we then didn't want new associates to s hear it but then get on their work unit mm -hmm. and say well Susie sure isn't modeling the heart of Hamilton of what I heard in orientation right so we s went through and put all of our existing associates and then we started with new associates so that took us probably about a year and a half to do I think that's so important what you're saying mm -hmm. because we've gone over this again and again. This is one of the big things mm -hmm. I love about this show. These are things that any business can use. Mm -hmm. These are insights into yes. into if you have four employees or you have thousands of employees, but it starts from the top. Mm -hmm. And if you are going to change the culture, then if it's at the top, then you work your way down and you're mm -hmm. right. You need people from the f from the top to the bottom mm -hmm. to to buy into this mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm to get in on the why do we do this? Why are we here? Right, so just to underscore a couple of things you just mentioned. So one is this is relevant to everyone because the, the priorities you mentioned around safety, courtesy, show, and efficiency, that's not healthcare specific. I mean, no, any industry, that's, that's common. That's what we expect, right? Mm -hmm. You need to have a safe environment and you need to make sure that you're leading with courtesy. I mean, that's, those are just, that's wonderful values right. uh, mm -hmm. to really live by. Mm -hmm. But on the second note, it's a very different thing to have something said and written on a wall <laughs> versus being able to really invest the time and show action behind it which mm -hmm. goes back to Duffy your point of and Sandy you mentioned this earlier leadership starts at the top mm -hmm. and a lot of leaders expect things and they'll change things and this is probably a good point to think about leaders of power versus leaders mm -hmm. of influence mm -hmm. as well as you might have your values quote unquote written on the wall or your priorities written on the wall somewhere but if you're not willing to invest in people really understanding what that means, then it becomes just words. Mm -hmm. And that's, that doesn't mean very much anymore. Also, choosing the word compassion, that's a tough sell. I mean, you're, if, you're, if you've heard from employees that they feel like at times they're bullied, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you're asking these same leaders mm -hmm. to lead with compassion, how did you come up with that word? I mean, how was that? The staff that were part of that process now, when we just ask them, you know, what is it that you feel that we should be doing? And because most of the time we're interacting with people when they're at their worst. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even each other sometimes because of the situations we're in. Maybe a staff member just got through dealing with a two-year-old that died. Or someone's loved one or a patient that you've known for a number of years and all of a sudden they're you know they have either had a tragic event that's occurred um, so we went through and we said what is it that you feel like as that you would want I said we just want people to to uh, to care we want people to show compassion and because if you empathize with them mm -hmm. not sympathize right right but very you, different <laughs> if you empathize with them they truly feel that you're taking their best interest at heart and you're trying to do what is the best for them 
And so whether it's a colleague, whether it's a patient, a family member, whomever it may be. And so that is where they came up with the word compassion. Neat, too, that that came from the people you work with. Absolutely. A lot of times people bring in outside sources mm-hmm. and they come up with this mission. Mm-hmm. And then you talk to the people mm-hmm. on the ground or the people on the front lines. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, they don't that's really it. not what our problem is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's neat that mm-hmm. you went to them. Right. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about how this is. It goes from a very abstract topic to something that's implemented in the mm-hmm. day to day. So what are some of the actions that you guys as team leaders and teams and leaders can do to help support sure. that? Uh, so one of the things that we created, which is uh, on our name tags, actually, is that um, if uh, whether it's a heart on there, uh, we have that. And it's it has the heart of Hamilton on there that most folks have. And we have different signals. If we feel like someone is not portraying the heart of Hamilton, you can look at them and you can just tap the heart on your badge. <laughs> oh, you can get called out like this. Yes, yes, you can tap the heart on your badge. Um, if the you are and you're doing a great job, someone can also reward you by just putting their hand over it and laying it over the, the heart on your badge. So I love this because having yes. a toddler, this it goes back to that tap is so much more meaningful than when you have to yell at you know, your toddler. <laughs> it's the same say thing. No like for if the I get quiet time. and I whisper in your ear, you know it's bad, right? <laughs> it's serious at that point. Absolutely. But I, to me, the other piece is just the fact that they saw it in the leaders. They saw the leaders modeling that behavior. Um, you know, we told if someone needs to be taken somewhere, we, we don't want you to pass anyone in the hall that you haven't spoken to. There is no walking down the hall holding your head down, no walking down the hall on your on your PD, um, all of those things. So it's basically if you run into someone, you need to stop. You need to engage eye contact and say, good morning, good afternoon, can I help you? And if they need help, you're to resolve whatever they need. If it's they can't find something, you don't tell them how to get there. You walk them there. That is so huge, and mm-hmm. that is that is something that I think um, – more and more we are losing yes. mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. it is it is huge and especially mm-hmm. in and I think Jennifer you've talked about this especially in healthcare you get inside a hospital and you as you said we're coming in at our worst mm-hmm. no one ever goes to the hospital because it's a great day and unless I you're just, having a baby that's right. exactly that's the only that's, time that's, that's that you one. are ready to go but even then <laughs> but even then you'd like to know where to go and quickly but yes it, it means so much for someone anyone to mm-hmm. look at you and I say hi how can I help you oh let me show you where mm-hmm. that right. is that mm-hmm. seems like such a no-brainer mm-hmm. but but and I'm sure for people work in hospitals it's all it all makes sense about where things are but for someone who's not there it is so confusing and very intimidating but you know it's interesting is I feel like in healthcare we've lost that service aspect and we talk about all the time right we're patient-centered but in reality like we're so far from it it. from what we used to Mm -hmm. be and what you guys have done is you've brought customer service Mm -hmm. back to healthcare Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. is it goes back to that's what healthcare is. Mm-hmm. You're it is. genuinely you're caring, you're caring for someone's health. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. You are caring I also like the positive reinforcement. You said mm-hmm. that if someone's not acting mm-hmm. in their best interest, you tap them. But if they mm-hmm. are, you applaud that. I think I think for for people who work in, in any industry, there is no better compliment. Um, it's great when your leaders acknowledge mm-hmm. you, but there is no bigger bigger compliment than when your mm-hmm. peers mm-hmm. say, "Hey, you did a great job." Exactly. And people in business, I think, need to remember. You praising someone else does not weaken your stance. That right. does not. You're not losing anything by giving um, credit where credit is due. That means you're mm-hmm. a team player. Mm-hmm. It means mm-hmm. you're collaborative. It means you're secure in what you do, and you don't mind 
applauding someone for doing I think and I think that raises the bar mm -hmm. for everybody right mm -hmm. so Sandy you shared a story with me before that yes. I would love for you to okay. share uh, where your your patients and your community have noticed this mm -hmm. and can you talk a little about the example sure um, one of the things that we wanted to make sure is that we always kept something new and fresh going with it because many times as something goes on for a couple of years either it kind of starts to die or people start focusing somewhere else so we really wanted to keep the heart of Hamilton at the forefront so we began a greeting program so every leader in our organization from me on down spends two hours at our front doors a month greeting guests visitors anyone who walks through the doors and uh, I will tell you, it's the highlight of my month <laughs> to get to go do that because, and sometimes you think, oh gosh, I got to go out there, I got to spend, and when you've got so many things to do, but you get so many rewards, so many rewards just from the people you interact with there. Well, there was one day, this is a gentleman, he came in and um, he was looking for, uh, he was a pastor in a local church and was looking for one of the members of his congregation. So we went to our uh, registration area, had folks to um, help us to find out where this patient uh, was. And so we did. And he said, I'm good. And I said, no, no. I said, I want to make sure you get there. So we walked upstairs. He and I just talked. And he was telling me, he said, so now tell me about what you're doing. And I said, well, we as leaders feel it's important that we have someone at our front doors. And we want to make sure that we greet individuals as they come through, that we make sure they get to where they're they need to go we know coming into a hospital many times you're either hurt you're in a rush uh, something is happening or you're nervous you maybe forgot your papers or you forgot what they said you may know a part of the word so we want to make sure we're there to help you through that process and so we took we went on upstairs and uh, got him to where he needed with the patients and their family it was a patient in the ICU and he just turned around to me he said I just want you to know that I don't think I've ever had that type of, and I've been in hospitals all over the southeast, and I don't think I've ever engaged in, in with anything quite like that before. That is truly something special. And then when he left, uh, he stopped back by. I was still downstairs at, at the door uh, when he left, and he, he stopped back by. He said, not only do I see that here, he said, your staff show it just the exact same way. So to me, that that's that's what it's about when the people in your community see that we had a physician who was coming in town for that we were recruiting for an interview well he came in the day before and while when we were talking to him the next day he said he said yeah we came in yesterday we just wanted to walk around incognito which I don't blame them I would too if I'm thinking about moving and right. practicing here in this hospital I want to get a feel because when they know I'm here and why they're all going to be on their best behaviors. <laughs> yeah. He said, so I wanted to see what it was like, uh, the culture was like, and to see what the people were like and what the, what the hospital actually looked like. He said, I couldn't go 10 feet without somebody asking me if I needed something or did I need to get somewhere. He said, finally, I just said, well, just take me to the cafeteria. <laughs> he said, just so. They, he said, it, it was just, it's amazing that, um, that you have instilled that in so many of your staff. It, it really is amazing and mm -hmm. top to bottom, and there's mm -hmm. no better compliment than the one you never expect, you know, right. someone who. Absolutely. So what I love about this is that it's a practical, tactical example uh, for, with both the physician and the pastor that visited mm -hmm. you guys of how you've been able to take something, again, very abstract, 
and you live by it because in that one action of you guys greeting you actually hit all four of your priorities you're making sure people get where they need to go so you're making sure there's a better service with safety you're showing courtesy by just taking the time to be there talking to them not just saying hi but actually taking them where they need to go which definitely makes it more efficient and you're you're showing the environment an environment that's very somewhere you could be proud to be Mm -hmm. as well so Mm -hmm. i think that's really phenomenal it's a great story So one other thought that comes to mind, you talked about how it took you guys a year and a half just to train everybody. Mm -hmm. And we know culture doesn't change overnight. Mm -hmm. So there's Mm -hmm. so many different sayings you can hear about and talk about with culture. Um, But it takes time. Usually, you know, it's anywhere from five to seven years to change a culture. Talk a little bit about the journey you guys have been on in terms of where you feel like you've seen. And I can share, too, from – so I met Sandy again about seven years ago or so and then there was a little bit of a lag from when I was there and just coming back a few years ago um, probably about two years ago to see them I noticed the difference of greeting which mm-hmm. you don't get that in a lot of hospitals no especially larger facilities you especially don't um, when the honestly when hallways are wider you don't get it because right. people can kind of look away <laughs> so there is a distinct difference mm-hmm. noticing it but mm-hmm. talk a little about your journey and maybe even too if you don't mind sharing what are some of the things you're continuing to work on because we know okay. nobody's oh, ever absolutely perfect, right? no. we going. know we have lots of opportunities we continue to do that um, you know with that journey we also felt like that we had to have other aspects and that is how do we mesh the what i call the science of medicine with the art of medicine mm. And many times we do a fantastic job with the science. It's the art that we don't. So the Heart of Hamilton helped us bring back the art of medicine from that perspective. And as we began through, though, we started with those that dialogue is that our staff really then began looking at, okay, how can we make this better, not for just for us, but for our patients? And that really began our journey from a um, Lean Six Sigma perspective. We'd already had a number of individuals who had gone through and achieved their yellow belts. And then Jennifer came back, as she said, a few years ago and took another 20 or so individuals in our organization and provided them with their green belts. Uh, We now have four black belts. But it's really now looking across the organization and the process that we went through to get people on board because the other piece is you've got to have consistency and focus because if you're not consistent across then things people just revert back to mm-hmm. how they've always done things and that was part of the reason we wanted to make sure we kept the heart of Hamilton alive and keep it fresh and keep new and in ways to invigorate it and add to it uh, we also knew that with so many things we have going on healthcare care just today the, the amount of change we deal with today is just mind-boggling what can we do to help create that focus what are those things that are important so we've really continued to try to utilize our performance improvement and process improvement initiatives to help us keep that focus so that we can find those key processes that we know we need to improve in we know we have opportunities or gaps and so that is where we really try to focus. And we'll, so we have a steering committee, and that is our purpose. It's the steering committee's purpose is to really help identify where those opportunities are and look at it from a system perspective, not just this department needs to improve this. Well, if I make a change in this department, then what's the system impact? What's it going to do downstream? And making sure that we've got everyone on board. Yeah, I think that's 
That's a really great point. Because if you recall, when we first started the conversation, we talked about, you know, the pillars that go through this organizational hierarchy. There's leadership and there's a curiosity for improvement and personal improvement is what this this stems from is that it's not your organization improves based on if you recall the foundation of our 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 organizational hierarchy is colleague engagement right and colleagues are not going to be engaged if they don't feel respected and Mm -hmm. if they're not learning Mm -hmm. and in healthcare in particular and in a lot of industries we have a very educated workforce so Mm -hmm. they aren't usually individuals who just want to sit around and feel like well i'm doing the same task in and out and not growing so what i love about this is it not only helps you guys as an organization Mm -hmm. but it actually supports professional development for your Mm -hmm. team members Mm -hmm. as well and if you have if that curiosity is not just with leadership and wanting to grow like you said if if it's with everyone i think everyone wants to like you said be challenged Mm -hmm. and be in on the curiosity Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think the first it may have been the first program we ever did and jennifer said it, and i think about it all the time is get everyone to buy into the why every Mm -hmm. buy into Mm -hmm. let everyone from top to bottom buy into it you'd be amazed once your employees Mm -hmm. feel Mm -hmm. they're vested in it feel Mm -hmm. they're part of the process Mm -hmm. they will they will go above and beyond absolutely and i will tell you that's harder than it it seems You, you would think it would be fairly simple but i think because of the dynamics in today and how things are changing is that keeping people in the here's the why and I think sometimes we in our minds know what the why is, so therefore we think it's just intuitive yeah. that everyone else should know <laughs> right. what the why is, but we don't say it. Right. And and I think that's where we have some of the gaps that we still struggle with today is making sure that we continue to explain the why. Why are we doing this? What is the impact of this going to have on not only the organization but on the community Mm -hmm. and that's really been for us being a community hospital it's really easy and that we just bring everything back to is this what we want to provide to our community and if it's yes then okay if it's no then why what have we got to do to make it something we want to provide to the community so just one final question for you because i would love to hear from your personal opinion how do you feel like this has impacted your leadership style going through this process um you know i I will say that as a leader relationships have always been something that's key from early on is i'm only successful if the people around me are successful Mm -hmm. And if I don't have the relationship with them that they understand what I'm doing and why I'm doing it, then how can they be supportive of the, and then how can I also be supportive of them? Uh, So I think it's made me a better leader from the standpoint of making sure that I'm very clear in what that why is, what the expectations are. Mm -hmm. Because I think sometimes we don't always clearly state, here's what we expect to take place granted I realize there's sometimes you can't share all information but you can share enough information that people get an understanding of where things are without going into the nitty-gritty details Mm -hmm. and I think it's just the importance of making sure that people have those dialogues anytime you make a change tell people and it's always the what's in it for me Mm -hmm. you've got to get it down to the level of how it is going to impact them as an individual or impact them whether they're a nurse an environmental services a dietary aid a cook you know a physician you know you've got to be able to relate it to every single person and we're whether we 
acknowledge it or feel like we do this, but every single person that is there is there to help care for that patient, whether they do it directly or indirectly. And so it's making sure people understand that why. When we make changes, when we do different things, and um, so from a, as a leadership perspective, I will say that's probably one of the things for me. It's really made me sit back and look because even my own experience when something's been changed or somehow or I see another leader saying, well, we're going to do this. And I'm like, well, who have you told? <laughs> <laughs> and are have they you, aware? <laughs> have you even talked to the people involved? Well, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll let them know. I said, no. <laughs> you know, they need to hear it from you before they hear it because once they hear it from somewhere else it's going to be 10 times worse mm -hmm. and you're going to have a lot of making up to do if unless if you would just go directly to them first and say here's what we're thinking about here's what we want to we and two it's not etched in stone right if it's not working let us know so that we and I think that's the other part with the lean aspect of things is people feel like they have to be perfect mm -hmm. that they can't fail failure's life right and yep. that's how we learn and so getting people to understand that piece has been the, probably another big thing is I've had two conversations this past week with leaders tell me that they're afraid to fail. And you know what? It's okay to fail, and that's what right. I tell them. Yeah, it's going to happen. But, again, <laughs> it goes back to leadership saying right. it's okay to do that. Right. right. Fail quickly, but fail often. often. Right. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for absolutely. joining us. Yeah. Thank, Thank you for Kenzie, having who is the chief operating officer at Hamilton Health in Dalton, Georgia. If I get sick, I'm going to make sure I'm in Dalton. Please do. I, I would, I would we love, will take care of you. I would love to experience the heart of Hamilton. Yeah. Thank we you will so much. Thank you very it much, It's been Steffi. a pleasure. Well, thank you for everyone listening for joining us on Leader Dialogue, presented, of course, by SOAR Vision Group and the Baldridge Foundation. Remember to tune in every Friday at 1 o'clock Eastern Time. You can listen to us during our live weekly broadcast. Now, if you want to hear this episode again or to listen to any of our previous shows, visit Leader Dialogue slash podcast. On behalf of Jennifer and the missing Ben, who is right. vacationing in Hawaii, we will address that when he gets back. <laughs> also from our producers, Mike and Trey, I'm Duffy Dixon. Join us next time on Leader Dialogue on Business Radio X.